The FT. At some point, the upward trajectory of our lives or of an organization's performance will inevitably plateau and then dip downwards. Charles Handy, the management writer and social philosopher, has long urged people to make the leap to a second curve, a new career, for instance, before the first curve turns down. The second curve is the name of his latest book. I'm Andrew Hill, the FT's management editor, and I've come to talk to Charles Handy about his book. Charles, hello. Hello. The second curve is dedicated to your grandchildren, yet they could always read your thoughts in, by my count, 16 books that you've already written, many of them prescient about the way our working world has evolved. So why this book and why now? Well, you say prescient, which sounds nice, but actually, as my publisher pointed out, most of your ideas don't come true for another 20 years. So she said, what's going to happen in 20 years' time for your grandchildren, for instance? Hence this book, to try and say some of the issues that will be, I hope, looking rather familiar in 20 years' time, but it seem rather strange now. But throughout them all, the second curve applies, that what works now will not work in the future, certainly not in 20 years' time. We need a rethink, we need a totally different approach, which I call the second curve. The point being that you have to start it while the first curve is going, as, as you say. So, hence, uh, a range of some half dozen, dozen ideas, I hope, which uh, I believe will be very important in 20 years' time. You make it very clear that the world we're in at the moment is uncertain, if anything more uncertain than it has been for a 100 years, partly because of the threats to existing institutions. But talking of career paths for a moment in particular, in this uncertain world, most people will naturally cling on to what they already have. How do you advise that they make the leap? Well, uh, in the past, we leapt into institutions as soon as we were educated. Those institutions are not going to be very permanent structures anymore. They themselves are going to disintegrate, reform, have a second curve. Therefore, put not your faith in institutions anymore, even though you may usefully join them to begin with to learn a trade or a skill or a profession. But then I suggest that you try branching out on your own. The world is increasingly going to be made up of little globules which are combined by what we used to call organisations, which are now living up to the name. They are going to be organising other little smaller organisations or globules, making them all a little more potent as a result. Why don't you start one of them, I would say, particularly when you're young and you don't have too many commitments bogging you down? It's a different matter, though, isn't it, for people in, in mid-career? And that, there's more of a sacrifice involved. They may have dependents. They're obviously attached to the place where they're working. And what's the sort of trigger point that can make people jump before they're pushed? It's extraordinarily difficult, but there is always a trigger point when they suddenly wake up and think, what am I doing here? This isn't going to last forever. I better change. Sometimes it's a, a bit of sickness. Sometimes it's a forced redundancy. Sometimes somebody dies close to you. Sometimes you just manage to look over the edge and say, there's nothing there, and decide that you've only got one life. You might as well try again. So I say the second curve, there could be a third curve, there could be a fourth curve. Life is exciting. I've lived my life in 10-year lumps, and uh, each lump begins rather perilously, but actually gets better as it goes on. Organisations themselves, you say in the book, 
particularly the traditional corporate institutions, are in jeopardy. You actually say that they should be dismantled. What's sacrificed there when an organisation disappears? When I joined a big organisation, it was like a huge family and it was very comfortable. And I, I remember writing back to my parents when I joined and saying, life is solved, you know, I found a home. It was my wife, ten years later, who said, you handed over your life to an institution. Did you really mean to do that? Don't you want to be in charge of your own life? And increasingly, I think, more and more people think like she does, that actually you shouldn't hand your life over to somebody else, you should take charge of it. Institutions will only survive if they allow people to take charge of their own lives within that institution. That's very difficult unless they create themselves, recreate themselves in the second curve into groups of what I call donuts in the book, little globules or little projects where people have a much more room to experiment and show what they can do. Do you feel that the managers, the leaders, the people who were traditionally established at the centre with the power are enlightened enough to allow these developments to happen? I think it's very seldom that people at the heads of big institutions manage to find the second curve voluntarily because they're so locked in to the way they're used to doing things. Of course, there are some visionary people, I quote Steve Jobs in the, in the book, but uh, I think it's forced upon them. Technology has, has a way of sort of eroding the power structures and uh, willy-nilly you have to change. And that's what's happening to them as they suddenly discover that things that they were used to be able to do have just gone because change comes from out of a clear blue sky, not from a competitor or a rival. Just as, you know, the booksellers of old found that a website called Amazon was a competitor, not another bookstore. When we met two years ago, you seemed to me at the time quite despondent about the way in which companies had greedily taken the main chance, gone for the profitability at the expense of a more flexible workforce that you thought they might mm. protect when you first wrote about these ideas 20 or 30 years ago. Are you more optimistic now? Well, I think there's been a mood change, uh, literally, in the last two years. I think people at the top of companies have realised that whether it's legal or not, it is becoming increasingly socially impossible, really, to uh, run the companies for their own benefit, which is the way it sounded and seemed to a lot of people and they're going to have to become much more interested in the, in sharing out the fruits of capitalism first of all amongst their own workforce uh, let alone their own shareholders and then in the wider community they ought to pay their taxes whether or not it's legal it's a, it's a moral obligation to contribute to the society which supports you. Which of the many radical ideas in the book do you think are most likely to come true in the next 20 years? Well, I think that the change in, in corporate philosophy is happening already. It'll take 20 years, of course, to be totally apparent, but people will, 20 years' time, will look back and, and see this age as, as abhorrent, really. I think education is going to change dramatically again. It'll be eaten away by technology because people have to learn at an early age how to cope with life on their own. And that's not something you learn in the classroom. You can be helped by the classroom, but they've got to do an awful lot more of learning by doing outside in the world when they're young. And we're beginning to see moves like that happening in this country with things called the University Technology Colleges, which start at the age 14, trying to introduce you to real life not outside the classroom. So I think that's the second most urgent thing that will happen 
And then I think we shall see, at the national level, we shall see countries going federal and we'll be reinventing the city-state, linked together by big units like the European Union or the United States of America or whatever. And um, that will happen again over 20 years. These things happen slowly. It takes a generation, but it will happen. And in the book, of course, I list about 18 other things that I, I think will be changing, some of which seem impossible now, but in 20 years' time will seem obvious, I hope. And finally, what's the route that you would now take if you were entering this uncertain world? You famously started, and you've written about this in the book and elsewhere, at Shell, which in some ways is the kind of ultimate corporate institution, or was at any rate when you joined it. Is that still a good place for people to start their careers? I think so. I knew nothing about business or people or leadership or groups or anything when I left education. I learnt all that in Shell. Uh, I stayed there for 10 years. It was, it was my really my finishing school. But then I really couldn't stand organisations anymore. And I, I, I went off and, and did something else. And increasingly, I think organisations are going to be the graduate schools for a large number of would-be people. And they will want to leave them in their 30s or 40s. More and more people are doing that and start their own little enterprises. And I think that's a good thing. So organisations will be starter homes for young people, presided over by a few wise old owls, but they will move people on. As you look at organisations like McKinsey now, they move people in, up and out, and then they have lots of loyal diaspora of ex-McKinsey people around, still friendly, and I think that's a very good idea, and we'll see more of that happening. Charles Handy, thank you very much. Thank you. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.